Welcome, Langbuds. This is Elizabeth Bruckner, along with my co-host, the incredible Benny Lewis, for another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. In this episode, we speak with Joaquin, a recent challenger in the Fluent in Three Months Challenge. He was learning French during his challenge, and he's going to talk about a few pretty interesting things. In this episode, you'll hear us discuss Joaquin's French learning journey, how he made the most out of studying abroad, and his new found love of accountability as a key to language learning. So let's get started. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 118. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. I'm your host, Benny Lewis, and I'm joined by Elizabeth. And we are going to be chatting today to Joaquin, who is a um, a mixture of cultures, and he's going to tell us all about his story and I'm really happy to share it with you. And he's a Fluent in Three Months Challenge participant as well. So we're going to talk a bit about that too. But uh, without further ado, I'll dive right on in. And could you tell us a bit about your background, uh, Joaquin? Yeah, of course. Uh, to give some context, I was born in Spain, but in a Chinese family. Therefore, yeah, I was born basically with two languages uh, that I was able to speak. I did double a little bit of French in high school. Four years of traditional learning, a teacher with 30 students and just doing like very traditional stuff. I was not really motivated and I just left it out and I pushed it aside. But then uh, this year I had the chance to do an Erasmus program, a student exchange program. And I decided to go to France because I love the South Coast. It's so beautiful. And I say, oh, now it's my chance. I have an objective. I want to be able to speak French with the natives there. I tried different tools, uh, different apps, but I lacked that accountability. So I was able to make it consistent learning. And I very intensity guy which uh, consistency is not my biggest strength so i knew that most of my learning curve was, was gonna happen like in the last couple of months prior and during the experience of being there in front that idea of accountability is something we talk about a lot but people don't really realize what goes into it so you'll hear a lot of people say just what you said at the beginning of the challenge joaquin which is I could, I would study for 10 days and then I'd, I'd hit a speed bump and I would kind of, you know, French would disappear. Sometimes I wouldn't study for a whole week after that. I remember hearing you in the challenge say, I'm going to read the Petit France and I want everyone to know. So you right out of the gate was like, I'm going to tell people what I want to do and that's going to help me stay accountable. And then you were right there every week. Okay. Are we having a dream team? Okay. Are we having a dream team? So how did that like kind of, I, I call it telling on myself, like I'm going to do this. And then people are going to ask later, did that change? Did that get you past the 10 day? And, and what was the conversation that you and I had that you said changed something in the challenge for you? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, whenever my routine breaks, so for example, uh, my friends came over to visit me that week. I basically did no friends. Uh, but normally I, the routine more or less happens, but with the quick calls we had with our dream team, that changed it all because yeah, having that weekly touch point and with your teammates that have the same objective and you can share your struggles and your goals and you can copy each other's strategies um, and yeah and you have to report to them next week you don't want to be the only one who say oh yes uh, I show up to the meeting and haven't done much so that extra pressure and saying it and uh, really 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 helped and also having the weekly italki call with my tutor so that I had two, one happened on Monday 
and the call usually was on Wednesday or Thursday. It was like two weekly touch points that I knew in between of those calls, I had to do something in order to show up and like, yeah, I'm more accountable to other people than with myself. So that really helped a lot. Oh yeah. And what you said about the name part, uh, we, uh, accountability that you helped me. Yeah. I, I, I put a couple of nays. So I didn't study for a couple of days and then I think you and Shannon, uh, yeah, tested me like, Hey, what's up? What's going on? Do you need some help? I'm like, yeah, I, I, my friends came over. I just, I knew that I wasn't going to study, but I'm fully committed. And now I'm going to make it all yes strict. Benny, I think you did a little bit of this in your language learning too. Like you used your videos for accountability. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, uh, for people who don't know, the reason I started Fluent Three Months, I didn't realize it would turn into as big as it did and like, that I could make a company or a business out of it. I started it entirely for accountability. And it's what ultimately inspired what became the Fluent in Three Months Challenge. That I thought if I could put my story out there and say, here's my objective, here's what I want to do in the next three months. Even if I only had 20 people reading my blog, that would be 20 people I would feel obliged to try to produce something for because I promised them I'm doing this. And I know that they're thinking about uh, you know, what is, how's Benny doing now? And like seeing my updates. So yeah, essentially that's kind of what the whole thing came from was me sharing my blog posts and then my videos with the world for public accountability. And it's what inspired the challenge that we know it works for a lot of people to have this goal to kind of pro, uh, promote a video of them at various stages that they're doing in their language learning challenge. And uh, it's really made a big difference for so many people. And uh, so like one thing that uh, you took from this is you'd get inspiration from our coaches. And for instance, uh, Shannon has this process of using Google Sheets to create flashcards that she'll important to memorize. Uh, so how did you adapt her system to work for your own vocabulary learning? I just copy pasted it. It just works. Uh, I just... Um... It's a different approach to study vocabulary. So you just take the words you uh, find out during your day. You see, you hear something, you know, oh, this I don't know. I want to learn it. Or in a, during a conversation, you just one word doesn't come. So you just research it, translate it and put it on the Google sheet. And then uh, on a weekly basis, you, I don't know if on a weekly basis, but in the frequency you want, you just, uh, upload it to memorize and you just study them, go through them by uh, space repetition. I have never reviewed words that I study through memorize. Once it's done, it's it's in my brain. But maybe maybe now that time passes by, I should review them. But so far, it worked really nice. And you actually talked about changing your position while studying flashcards. So initially you would study sitting like a student and then you tried laying down and studying. Did that break your concentration or did it help? Was it a good experiment or was it an experiment that didn't work? And can you tell me a little bit about this idea of experimenting in language learning? Yes. Uh, yeah, it was very traditional learning. Even for Chinese, for example, uh, my parents took me to Chinese Academy on the weekend so like monday to friday spanish school normal school like math and so on and yeah we learn about poems and phrases you knew like they're so old we were laughing the students who were sitting there like we are never gonna use this so yeah i think what changed is like seeing uh actual practical terms that really motivated me because i knew oh I, I lack this word in this conversation. So next time I want to actually use it to be able to improve the conversation. So I would say that really treats of a learning style more like passively, whatever teachers gives to you, uh, treat it to active learning, what I want to learn, what I'm going to use. Yeah. And another part that you took advantage of in the challenge is it's not just 
the end goal three months from now. There's also our mini missions where you split it up into smaller objectives. And you found that these were very helpful for you. So what kind of examples uh, of smaller objectives can you share that might inspire other people to do something similar? Yes, um, for me, I would say it arised while in my day-to-day, for example, I was with some friends, international friends in a bar, and they were putting French music, and one song was like, everybody was vibing to it, singing it with their like so loud and i say oh i want to do that before i leave france i would like to sing this song with french people so that was a mini goal i set for myself or like um yeah being able to strike a conversation with no english with native speakers like tonight i'm going to a bar with some friends but we are not gonna say one word of english that was when i when that happened, I went back home like so motivated and so proud and like I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh, actually it can happen. Obviously conversation was a bit of bit. It lacks substance, but I mean, with movement, with your hands and with a smile, everything works. So it was really fun. But yeah, the mini challenges of the challenge itself, like the scripts were really, really nice part, uh, to actually learn the vocabulary, the structure, the phrases that are applicable to me and just say them and they will correct you if they're an online tutor or someone in a real conversation and you just update it the next time it works. <laughs> I love this idea of going and speaking, like the courage to go and speak with people in the target language is tremendous. It is, it is, I wrote an article about it. It's terrifying for me. Benny makes it look easy, but I think even Benny says he gets a little nervous sometimes every now and then, maybe not now, but before. And so for you to go to a bar, which is loud, people are talking at the same time. But once you have that, you had mentioned in, in one of the challenge comments that you told a story and you made your friends laugh in French. And it was this light bulb moment where you just couldn't believe that you had that connection. It, it had a different kind of substance, right? So you weren't talking about like quantum physics, but you were, you were connecting as humans. So this all comes from a routine. And this question is for both you and then Benny. I know that you had gotten into a good study routine. Can you just give us an idea, like a little snippet of how you were studying during the day? Like, were you connecting it to habits that you were already doing? People really want to know like, oh, they got up, they brushed their teeth. And when they were brushing their teeth, they went over 10 vocabulary words. Did you have a system like that or a routine like that? Yeah. I mean, for me, because I was like a exchange student, I had a lot of time to like, actually, like my main goal to go to France was not like, I mean, obviously learning about a different education system in another country is great, but I had a clear goal. One of the main goals was to learn French. So I, I woke up and the first thing I do, it was like going through the couple of words in memorize the vocabulary. And then we did some French pod 101, which is a resource Benny recommends. Did two of those podcasts, pick up the words that I actually want to learn, not all of them. I used to always like learn traditional generic list and learn all of them. And then I don't, don't remember. So actually it was easier because I had to learn less words. And yeah, the mini challenge, I mean, it's, you have to do a lot of things during the challenge. You have to like write the scripts. Yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. And you either do one of the scripts exercise you assign or uh, exercise my teacher sent me through italki. I also went to uh, the university provided to people who didn't know French, uh, second language class. Uh, foreign for, yeah French as foreign language class so I also had exercise then and one other thing is I took one class in French and I mean I didn't understand anything in the beginning but it was just to like get used to it and then in, in the end like the last couple of classes were I started to pick some stuff up so that was pretty I could see the pros and that was really nice for me, whenever I get into um, 
routines. It's not necessarily something I I do uh, with any kind of strict process. Um, like for instance, now in Brazil, I just try to make everything I do in Portuguese. So like even something silly like like TikTok, I have uh, trained my TikTok algorithm uh, on a separate account to only show me content in Portuguese. So I'll be flicking through things. And then if an interesting word com- comes up, I'll actually look that word up and I'll add it to my Google sheet and, and make sure I'm always adding new things. I'm uh, being social here and I might be texting people. And it's the same thing. If they text me a word or an expression that I've never seen before, I'll try to see if I can figure out what it, what it means or I'll just ask them directly. And uh, I just try to make it a part of my life. I don't necessarily have like, I must do this amount of minutes and I have to tick this, this box. Uh, that kind of uh, discipline isn't something I've necessarily had in my life. It's just more the pressure to use the language is what tends to work for me. And um, after completing the challenge, you had the chance to go to uh, Marseille. So like, you know, one thing you were saying is you got to uh, even have people laughing at your jokes. I, I'd love to hear what other really great takeaways and experiences did you have when you finally got to go to the country? Yes, about the previous point, I think what matters most is the having in the back of your mind this thought of, I need to capture new terms and expressions. Like, not do not let them go. Like, that's the most important routine, I would say. Then you just revise them and use whatever tool you prefer. But that mindset, I think, was what changed everything. It was, it was always part of my day. Not like a specific time, but it was a special time because I was there like immersed in the city. So I was a, a big objective of mine. So coming back to a fun story, maybe from when I was there, I remember on my second or third day. So that was when I barely spoke much French and I was scared and real tense and didn't know what they were telling me. Uh, I had to go to the bus stop to go to the campus. So I, I had the information uh, which bus stop I had to take. But for some reason that day, uh, the bus stop was like under construction. I had no idea. So I was alone there waiting. I like, why the bus doesn't come? Like people told me it comes like every five to 15 minutes. I've been here for like 20. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> so. Thankfully, one French person uh, came by and told me, "Hey," uh, he said. He said many things. I didn't understand anything. He started pointing, and like, "Okay," he's. I'm like, uh, I cannot understand. So he he just made me follow him, and I went to the next stop. So I'm really, and I made it just on time thanks to him. If not, I was there for I don't know, maybe until lunch. <laughs> You'd still be there, maybe. Just what's going on? Yeah, I'll still be there. I'll wait there. Like I have to go to campus. <laughs> Luckily, the challenge you can access through your mobile phone, so you would you would still be there, but you would have accomplished the challenge. So you were talking about the routine and the fun moments, but you also mentioned, and again, this is a question for you and Benny, because I haven't seen Benny in a while. So I feel like I need to get some more answers. We need to know what's going on with these polyglots, right? Right. And you're welcome to ask them as well. So here's my question. You had mentioned you were working arduously at French, but you made Saturdays your fun French day. And you were like, that's the day that I'm just going to have fun. Can you give me some, and I know some of it's singing songs, which is beautiful, but can you give me some examples? And then Benny, same question for you. What is a fun day looks like? I'll tell you what a nerd like me, a fun day is. Yesterday I had to put together a little coffee table for our um, kitchen and it was so complicated. It was the most complicated one ever. And so I listened to my audiobook of Zola in just on, I just listened to chapter two twice. And so I'm just putting in screws so I could listen, but it was so meditative. And so it was fun. It wasn't, I wasn't trying to learn anything. I was just letting the French flow. What does a fun French day look for you? Yeah. I mean, singing songs was a big one. Just listening to music, French music. Uh, also I use it, uh, watching comedies in French, even if I 
like French humor, uh, they told me, don't try to get it, but I just laugh when the audience laughs. Or TV series like uh, in France, just trying to, it's more a passive action, but uh, there are some days, not just Saturdays, I will be lying. Like on tough days, you don't have that much motivation and you yeah, you have different things to do and just didn't, you don't feel like it. I mean, always like you cannot like always push for the fun stuff all the time, but some, some days you just say, um, this day is going to be more chill and next day we will like pound on it harder. Uh, but yeah, I would say those are the activities. Oh, also reading. I, audiobooks is the same, like reading. Even you, you just understand a couple of words. I mean, but you, you piece your story together. Then you read it in. English, I don't know if you do recommend this, like read it in parallel, but yeah, those will be my, my days that are more fun for learning the language. What about you? Yeah, well, for me, like I get a lot of energy out of being creative in some ways. I mean, this is why I've had a YouTube channel and the blog and I, I had several years where I wasn't really making any kind of stuff online. And I found in recent years that I've gotten back into it, it's really energized me. So uh, like these days, for instance, with Portuguese, during the week, I'm mainly um, like living through the language and, and gathering words, as I said. But then on the weekends, when I feel like I want to have some fun in it, because making videos is one way I have fun, that's what I do is I create a silly video. Usually these days, it's a TikTok um in portuguese and about portuguese or about some interesting cultural thing i've had in brazil but it's directed at brazilians so rather than something i would make on my english tiktok i'm making a tiktok entirely in portuguese and and of course i would like like singing and everything like that and i would try to see if i could integrate that into the video and i have made a couple of videos where i'm trying to sing in the other language but generally some form of creative outlet uh, and embracing that side of myself and doing that in my target language has been a really fun way for me to to let my hair down and really enjoy the experience. So yeah, that's, that's my answer to the question. And um, back to your challenge, you had actually done not one, but two day 90 videos. So why did you decide to do a second take with something like that? I was not satisfied with the first one. Actually, I, I mean, I struggle a lot recording myself for the first couple of videos and it, it got easier for the day 60 video, but the day 90 video, I sit with someone else. For me, at least I got more nervous. It was like recording a new style of video. And also my teacher, we, we scheduled the session and we just did uh, what you told us to have like a no structure conversation and I felt like I wasn't proud of the video I felt like it didn't showcase all the progress I made so I just said oh let's schedule another one and do what we've been doing for like the last couple of weeks together so we just did like a regular session and it was more structure. I mean, we usually cover one grammar point and then we just talk about whatever. It's uh, very focused on speaking, which was my main objective too. So the second one went better and it was one day before the deadline. So it was like no perfectionism could block it. So it was that one. And yeah, that's why I decided to record the second one. They were both wonderful. I did like the second one. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, Benny, but it's basically an entire lesson in French. So it's what you talk about all the time, which is get a teacher that's going to be a language putter upper. They're going to only speak with you in your target language, no matter how difficult it is. Because a lot of times teachers that um, have different methods of teaching. I was going to say like that don't want to teach, but that's not true. They just have different methods. They're not really keen on the speak from day one. They'll, they'll bump in, they'll go bounce back into English because it's easier for them to explain a concept. But you were talking about some heavy duty grammar during that, um, during that video, completely in French. 
So you were asking questions and then you were getting it wrong and you're saying, oh, this is why I got it wrong. But you were saying it all in French and so was the teacher. And that really is the that's the goal of the the challenge. It's not to have a really those introduction um, conversations. Hi, how are you? My name is. It's not about that at all. It's where do we go after that? Because all the books cover that. But when you really bump into someone on the street, you're not going to tell them immediately. Hello, this is my name. This is where I live. You want to know why the bus isn't running and how do you get to making those questions? Right. You don't want to be sitting there all day. So that brings me up to some, a way that you described yourself. And this might be a hot potato. I'm, I, we're going to throw in a hot potato and see where it goes. Trigger warning. I'm just kidding. So you had mentioned that you are, you consider yourself optimistic. The trigger warning is Benny might be like, I'm a realist. I don't know. I don't know. But I would like to hear what both of you consider yourselves optimistic, realistic, pessimistic. And you mentioned that you think that you're optimistic. Can you tell me for the Eeyores out there, for those of you that don't know, Winnie the Pooh is a cartoon and there's this sad little pony that everything's terrible. I I think that's what Benny is because you can see his sadness in all of his videos. (laughs) (laughs) Right? He's like the happiest guy ever. But, But for those that just like, I can't do it. Language learning doesn't work for me. I do a really good Eeyore, by the way. I actually turned blue listeners while you were, while you were, um, while you were listening to me. So my question to you is two parts. You consider yourself an optimist, Benny. I'd like to know what you think you are. And then secondly, what would you tell other students that want to be more optimistic in language learning? How do you find the good? Because it's a, it's a difficult road. Language learning is not super easy or else everyone would do it. Good question. Really hot potato. I sense it. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think in the context of uh, language learning, um, being optimistic, I would say it's also I was in a community. I was surrounded by international people which are like open-minded and we just want to get to know each other. So maybe it's easier for me. But when talking to other natives to um, have this mindset that they want to help you, that you are not like being a, a hassle for them. I mean, they speak when, when it's all friends and you or all French people, like all Canadians and a couple of friends, they are going to speak in French because they feel more comfortable to it. And I, I want it that way so that I can listen to more friends and learn more. So I, I just keep telling them, can you say it more slowly? I, I want to understand. I, obviously, there's like a middle point. You cannot be like, if you don't have like a minimum level, you cannot expect for them to slow down and just for you, like make the conversation simpler. But yeah, for the first couple of times, you just are optimistic that they will be... Uh, helpful and accommodating to you and yeah and to just talk to them <laughs> and yeah I was really like a struggle like oh I don't know how to say this perfectly but the uh, mindset of just communicate the idea it doesn't have to be perfect the grammar doesn't have to be just just say the word and just put a couple of more words after that even if it's not what you will like communicate in your mother tongue that helps uh people when speak uh when someone speaks in your native language that effort i think it's really appreciated i i could sense it with the friends because in the beginning, I, I sometimes I'm like, oh, too much friend for today. I, I say in English and they don't like reciprocate. I don't like, you're not even trying. <laughs> but when you say a couple of words in French, they say, oh, he's struggling. They want to help you. So being optimistic that they want to help you and have this in your back of your mind. Okay. I can, I can be more courageous and make mistakes because they actually want to help me. So I think that's, uh, I don't know, something that could help people that yeah, are more scared of think that it's really, I mean, it's really hard to learn a language, but people will help you. 
if you really want to learn that language. I just wanted to step away to thank our Patreon subscribers. You are the reason we are able to share useful language hacking content for our wonderful audience. If you're not yet a Patreon subscriber, don't miss out on the fun. Our Patreon supporters receive an abundance of juicy bonuses. One of my favorites is our monthly coaching episodes, where I walk you through specific ways to jumpstart your language routine or get a new perspective on how to dive deeper into your language, your target language, that is. You also receive access to extended episodes with bonus questions and behind-the-scenes conversations with guests. It's simple to sign up. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash language hacking. That will also be available in the show notes. And now back to our conversation. My way of describing my philosophy is I would say I am an optimistic cynic because I do embrace positivity, but I also am constantly aware that things are going to go wrong. And I, I kind of, rather than just being a pure optimist, that you would see everything is always amazing and perfect all the time. I expect to have problems. I expect to uh, make mistakes. I expect to feel embarrassed. I expect to forget things. I expect maybe some people raise an eyebrow and wondering, what the hell is this guy saying? Yeah, that happens too. And I go in, in a way, with that kind of somewhat pessimism of expecting the worst. And then I'm usually pleasantly surprised it maybe isn't as bad as I thought it would be. But um, for anyone who's an Eeyore out there, I know this idea of, you know, just be positive, just think happy thoughts can feel like, you know, that's I can't do that. It's not really my personality. I would say maybe embrace some of this pessimism that you have and rather than decide you're not going to succeed unless you're an optimistic person, I would say just decide, do you know what? This is going to suck. I am going to, my language is going to be terrible, but that's fine. And I accept that it's terrible and I'm going to go ahead with it anyway. And the goal, I always tell people, rather than saying my goal is to like constantly improve, my goal is to suck a little less every day. And that, that kind of optimistic cynicism is, uh, is, I think, a more sustainable way of doing it. Because if you're a pure optimist and you have a terrible day, it just clashes with your life philosophy so much that you don't really know how to tie things together. Whereas when I have a bad day, I tell myself, do you know what? The, the universe is a chaotic place. Problems are always going to be there, no matter how positive I try to be. So if I roll with the punches... That's how I can make uh, progress in life. So that's kind of, that's my way of looking at it. And uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> now, I did want to touch on your your opinion on how your background has influenced your language learning story. Because like you said, you have, um, a, you're, you come from a Chinese background from your, your, fa- your family. And on weekends, you get to kind of uh, embrace that side of your culture while you're also, of course, living in Spain and that's where you grow up and you are a Spaniard as well. So like, how do you uh, separate these two cultures? And then how do you think that influenced how you ultimately ended up learning later languages? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I was bilingual by birth basically. So it really changed things like actually like it's very two completely different languages, Spanish, and Chinese, the 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 book, the, the the alphabet is completely different. I mean, Chinese is just characters, so it's very different. So, yeah, I actually struggled when I was a child to speak because I would mix them, and they cannot be mixed. <laughs> and yeah, I actually hated going to Chinese class on Sundays. I mean, when you're a kid. Uh, I mean, going to school is not the most exciting thing and having to go on weekends is like, no, I want to go to my friend. So I was, I wasn't putting my all. I mean, I just went, I had fun with my Chinese friends and learned a couple of things on the way. But I mean, the good thing is that at home we speak Chinese, so I get to practice it every day. Yeah, in Spanish at school, like apart from home, everything is Spanish. 
And then for English, uh, in high school, I started uh, starting studying English. And then I decided to do my degree in English. So now maybe my, my English is even better than my Chinese because I got to use it less, especially during this exchange program, which I only call my family and the frequency where you talk in real life than calling is much less. So I need to improve that and take it up again. Um, and then with friends, as it's very similar, to Spanish and also have, yeah, structurally is also similar to uh, English. It wasn't very deep. It was easier than someone who doesn't speak uh, Spanish, for example, or English. So I say, uh, yeah, I was lucky to learn a language that I have previous a learning experience to like attach it to something. We call that false beginners, someone that learned a long time ago, a kind of a foundation, and then they're starting again and they really can't speak anything. Same with me, you know, three or four years of French, did really well in school, but couldn't say anything besides the pen is red, you know? <laughs> so, so that's, and I love that you're taking away the mythical unicorn creature that all monolinguals think. We think this is what I thought. So I'm just going to, I'm going to put us all in one big bag. We think that if you're bilingual from birth, you obviously are better at languages. And what you're telling me is it's, you have to put in just as much work. You know, it's yes, you can speak two languages and that's great, but you still learning English is a whole new ball game. Learning French is a whole new ball game. So when people, the, when the ER comes out and says, Oh, I can't, I'm monolingual. That's actually, that doesn't mean you're going to learn it any slower or faster than someone that's already bilingual. That is not the case because when you're learning as a child, you learn completely differently than as an adult. So this goes back to that idea of encouragement that you were saying, like, you know, you would feel like you were having a hard time and then your challengers, the friends in the challenge would, would step up and encourage you. And I, I saw that. I love, I love that part about the challenge. And one particular time is when you were really nervous about your first italki lesson. Can you tell me what happened? You shared about it and did you get the support that you were looking for? Now I don't remember it very clearly, but yeah, I was really, I, I never did like online tutoring. So that was my first time. And I always went to traditional like academies. So yeah, I would say relating to the previous point, like the approach is very different. Like when you are older instead of a kid learning, because um, when you're a kid, usually the approach is for getting a certificate or so it's like the objective is not the one you you choose as an adult the objective is like to pass the exam so yeah, i think it's different and you progress faster you could progress faster as an adult even because the objective is more clear and not an arbitrary one that it's set by society um yeah, about uh, Italki. Yeah, I just yeah, like didn't know there were so many teachers, and they told me, uh, I think just pick a couple of them and text them, and and you'll be fine. <laughs> like you try, and you see which one fits in with your personality, and you you prefer that learning style. You said that I wanted a teacher that just was going to be patient with me and speak French, but no a word of English. So yeah, the encouragement by the community was huge. Like, yeah, whenever I needed like a push or solve a question, it really helped me throughout the challenge. So you've also, among your resources, you've also used my language hacking French book. Uh, so how did you find that as a resource and what were your experiences with it? I did everything except the videos so what it means it was not as effective as it could have been so i wrote the scripts but i didn't say them out loud and probably now that i went through a challenge i know that i take a teachers would just upload the scripts and they will correct them for you so 
I I did that when I was in the challenge, but I would say the system is very similar than the fluent in three months challenge. It, it's condensed into a book, like the phrases you learn, uh, the practicality of the course that is focused on speaking. Uh, also, yeah, like. There's speci specific situations in in the book, and you just develop scripts for those situations, and you uh, have also really uh, insight from the language, like you pronounce it like this and this structure. And and one thing I thought it was really interesting was to learn uh, a couple of words together as uh, like how are you. And you learn that in a complete package. You don't learn how are you in three different words because when you're gonna use it, you just learn them by heart and you use them like 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 that. So really helped me like helped me more more than that. It was like as Lisa it said, uh, I studied four years of at in high school French. But my teacher barely speak French with that. So I knew grammar pretty. I mean, I forgot everything because I learned from 13 to, to 16. And then I went to France this year, uh, with 22. So it was eight years that passed by. No, eight years. No. <laughs> yeah, more or less. And, and I forgot everything. So it, it helped me like find that inner, desire of I'm gonna go to France and I'm actually gonna use all these scripts I created in real conversation. That was the best thing by far. Was that the purpose of the book? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a great answer. And so I'm curious where you're gonna go from here, what your future in language learning is going to look like now that you've had this initial burst with your French, are you going to focus on that and keep pushing that forward? Or do you have other language goals? What do you see your language future in the next years? From what I read from you, I think uh, I, if I don't have like a clear objective and feel under pressure to learn it, I just, just push it and do like the bare minimum. And I, I trick myself like with this, I don't know, Duolingo, you, you feel like, oh, I have a 200 day streak, but I did one lesson and you barely learn anything because you will spend five minutes maybe. But you feel, feel good about yourself, but actually you're not very progressing in the language. So only when I have a clear objective, like I'm going to use it in this country at this time, I'm going to actually like double down, triple down on the effort and learn that language. So now for French, as I don't see myself uh, going to a francophone country in the short term, I'm just maintaining it. I'm just journaling now in French. Obviously not completely, like there are words I don't remember. I don't know. And I just write in English or in Spanish. But for Chinese, actually, my mom said like, your Chinese has like got worse and a lot since you have been gone. And my, my brother now is going to summer Chinese school. So I also did that and I hated it when I was a child because summer going to school again, no, no good. But I actually purchased the language hacking Mandarin book. You just create, well, you created for a while, but it's pretty new. And it's more for my brother, but I'm curious to see like, which like because like I need to want to get solid on the basics. I mean, I already got the basic. Like I have, I speak Chinese with my parents every day, but maybe more vocabulary specific to me. And I had an interview, for example, in Chinese, and I, I did uh, feel that I lack some vocabulary. Like it was pretty specific and. And I want to like improve on that, but yeah, I'm, I will take like the approach of, I don't know, I don't know how to say this word. Then came up, put it on the Excel sheet, 
learn it. And I'm also thinking of how can I talk to teachers because like, I don't want to go to my academy from when I was so young. Like there are only kids there now. And talk to, <laughs> talk to teacher and language work so great. Like with the talking. Yep. That's, that's my next step. What about yours? Your, you too. Like, what are you working on? Like Brazil, I guess, Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Portuguese is my big language. I've got a book tour uh, in Portuguese while I'm here. So I'm only really thinking about that. And then uh, after that, I'll probably be going to Asia. So I'll have to reactivate a couple of my Asian languages. But for now, just thinking of Portuguese. And Elizabeth, what are you working on at the moment? Okay, first, what? Book tour. So you're getting interviewed in Portuguese? So my all my language hacking books have been translated to Portuguese. And because of that, I will be able to do a book tour here while I'm in Brazil. So they'll have actual signings and people will ask me questions in Portuguese. So wow. rather than just casual, you know, hanging out with people Portuguese, I have to do more interview style levels. So I have been working very hard on my Portuguese. And before coming here, I had a teacher who was kind of training me by asking me tricky questions in Portuguese. So um, that is what I'm working up towards in my final month in Brazil. That is so cool. I am so impressed. Thank you. I just had to know more. Wait, what? Because I can't imagine standing in front of people and then, you know, signing books and they all have a question. They want to tell you about their sister. And so the, the questions are so random you know, at the table, right, where you're signing. Um, what's going on for me? I am stumbling along in Spanish. I've just been a terrible, terrible um, student. And so what I did is I had to create a new mini challenge for myself, which is I'm, I, I give free lectures where I teach people how to grow their own food in English. And so I'm now I'm, I'm translating it into Spanish. And it's kind of like field of dreams. Like if I build the the lecture, then someone will need it eventually. So that's kind of fun. And I'm taking a, I'm taking a, a weekly book discussion in French, which is why I'm reading Zola. And it feels so, um, it feels so luxurious to be just learning French literature with a college professor. It feels, and it's, I, I love bragging about it because people are like, <gasps> you know, I'm not, I'm stumbling through it because I am, you know, just intermediate French, but it feels, it like, it wakes up my spirit and I'm like, oh, this is, I didn't know anything about Napoleon III and the third, and this is what it looks like. And that's what the life looked like there. And so that's something that's igniting my um, desire to delve more into French culture. And I'm going to be doing like five book tours soon. <laughs> I didn't tell you guys that. <laughs> so the very last question I do want to put to you is what, now that you've used a couple of my books and you've done, gone through um, the challenge, what is your understanding of the term language hacking? How would you explain it? I would say focusing on what you're going to use. If you're not going to use it, just put it aside to make it consistent to start the, the learning uh i yeah one of the lessons was like thinking about ways to make it fun i never thought about that in my in my mind and that really helps like it doesn't have to be every day like sitting down and pushing like you actually have to look forward to the next study session so finding the balance between making it fun, enjoying the journey and being efficient on it, like not doing anything, but doing the practical things that you are actually going to use. So finding that switch pot between making it fun and being efficient. That's a good way of putting it. I like that. All right. Well, this has been a fascinating chat. Thank you so much for sharing your story with all of us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. So until the next time, I wish everybody listening a very happy language learning. Happy language learning.
So thanks so much for joining us for the Language Hacking Podcast. It was a pleasure speaking with Joaquin. I learned so much about the idea of optimism and just knowing that um, other native speakers are actually wanting to help you. Um, he was an incredible challenger and it was good to hear his, his methods for learning and how he learned how to put fun back into language. So Benny, what was your takeaway from this? I, I do... I did like his attitude to being able to re-record his uh, or do a second take for uh, his night day video. And just his general optimistic attitude shows that like it's okay to roll with the punches. And sometimes, you know, if you're working towards this big thing, like in our, in our case, it's the 90 day video, you can ultimately re-record it if you have to. It's not the end of the world if it doesn't go perfectly. And I think that's a good philosophy for people to take in general with their language learning. What would be your big takeaway? Uh, there were so many, but I, I do want to talk a little bit about the language hacking series. The language hacking French book was my first book before I ever tried to challenge. And it's by far my favorite. I know this is going to sound like a plug, but I want to talk about it because it was important. It's by far my favorite um, beginner book. Uh, and it's great for uh, false beginners, too, because it actually starts that me-specific vocabulary. He kept talking about that today. And I remember when I learned German, I remember going to French Pod 101. There was a dialogue, and it said something about fruit salad. And I'm like, okay, I will never use the word fruit salad. So I'm not going to learn that. And it it cuts out like 50% of those like persnickery words that you think you need to know when you really don't. You can say bowl with apples if you absolutely needed to, and you move on to the stuff that's really important. And then you really do hack the language. So language hacking French, Spanish are the two that I've used. We have a number of other ones like language hacking Portuguese, Mandarin, language hacking Italian. Uh, no, no Portuguese, no Portuguese yet, but German, oh, sorry. Italian and Mandarin. Yep. Thank you. German, Italian, and soon in Portuguese, but all translated into Portuguese if you want to <laughs> ladder your language learning. So that's my takeaway today. Excellent stuff. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And until the next time, I wish you all a very happy language learning. Happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave us a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis, Shannon Kennedy, and Elizabeth Bruckner, and produced by Alice Semino, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. The theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning. <laughs>